0: listening to the martial brain the podcast that explores the intersection between the martial arts science critical thinking skepticism and that wacky organ that floats inside our skulls in a pool of cerebral spinal fluid making life unpredictably inspiring infuriating and sometimes just batshit crazy i'm jeff westfall for the martial brain An American Muay Thai Tale, Part 4 The Legendary Thai Boxing Association Instructor Test Last time, I told you about my early years of training with my Muay Thai teacher, Surachai Sirisut, or as he prefers to be called, Ajarn Chai. I also described for you what Ajarn Chai seminars were like in the 80s and 90s, especially how intense both he and the training were. It was, and still is, Ajarn Chai's habit to finish the last day of a seminar with the students standing in formation while he verbally sums up any wisdom he wishes to impart. And he also takes time to single out each student and gives them personal encouragement and advice. On some of these occasions, he addressed one of the more experienced students and said, Sir, Ajarn Chai calls everyone sir or ma'am, I want you to take the instructor's test there's often an appreciative murmur from the other students, as this was usually said to someone whom the other students already respected and admired for their technical skill and toughness. It was truly an honor to be singled out in this way. At this point, there were not very many instructors in the Thai Boxing Association. Well, one day, at the end of one of these seminars, as I stood happy and sweaty in formation, Ajarn Chai said those words, to me. Wow, did not see that coming. I was simultaneously stunned, honored, and worried. Ajarn Chai did not make such statements lightly. He really wanted me to test. Was I truly at a high enough level to pass? This question is significant because, despite the many Ajarn Chai seminars I had attended, I had never witnessed the test myself. Like an arcane legend, I had heard bits and pieces about it, but not enough to know the details. I had heard it was difficult, and I was sure I would need time in advance to train for it. That was one of the factors that made this potential undertaking a logistical problem, along with carefully picking a future seminar at which to test. At the time, I had several other long-term martial arts goals towards which I was working, so I would need to plan carefully. Before I committed to the test, I trained with Ajarn Chai at a few more seminars. At each one, he expressly reiterated that he wanted me to take the test. Now, it's important for this story for you to understand that at this point in time, I lived in a place that was beyond the frontier of the Thai boxing association that Ajarn Chai had founded. It already had an established presence on both coasts and in Chicago, but my hometown of Evansville, Indiana is more than six hours south of Chicago, a full day's drive from the East Coast, and a three-day drive from the West Coast. Nearer cities like Indianapolis, Cincinnati, St. Louis, and Nashville did not yet have TBA instructors. I was learning everything I was learning at seminars as part of a group. Now, Ajahn Chai is great about making sure that each seminar student gets personal attention, and I had received my share through the years, but there's only so much of his time to go around. I had been a martial arts instructor long enough to know that I could be lacking in some small technical details, and seemingly small details can loom large under the right conditions, and furthermore, the conditions I would face in the test were an unknown quantity. Like I said, I had never seen one in person or had a significant chance to talk to anyone who had taken it. I would be navigating without much of a map while preparing for the test, but despite this, I finally decided to go ahead and take the plunge. I selected the date, more than two months away, and began training in earnest. I practiced, to the best of my knowledge, the ritual that a Thai boxer performs in the ring before a fight, called the Y crew and the Ram Mui. I had very little experience with this dance-like performance, but it was part of the test. I knew that a big part of the test involved kicking the tie pads for two 3-minute rounds. I knew that I would be required to throw 60 hard kicks in each round and 35 hard skipping knees. Skipping knees involve grabbing the tie pad holder in a clinch and bombarding the pads with a barrage of repeated knee strikes. This requirement of 60 kicks and 35 knees means that you must hit the pads hard almost a hundred times in 180 seconds, then take an all-too-brief rest and do it again. I would need to be in great shape. I was already in good condition, and I did lots of rounds kicking the tie pads at high intensity for the next two months. When the time came, I was in the best condition of my life. I would take the test in Atlanta, Georgia in the summer of 1991. I found a few students willing to take the 8-hour drive with me, take the seminar, and then act as my corner men during the test. One of the requirements of the test was that you must first fully participate in a 10-hour weekend seminar with Ajarn Chai, enduring all the intense, strenuous training that that entails, and at the end of the second day, when you are good and tired, the test begins. Everyone else who attended the seminar is strongly encouraged to stay, to observe and cheer you on, or to assist in administering the test. When the moment of truth arrived for me in Atlanta that day, I was one of six people who were taking the test. One interesting twist was that my martial arts role model, Dan Inosanto, was present that day, along with his lovely and badass wife, Paula. Paula. That added just a bit more pressure on me to do well. For whatever reason, for each part of the test, I went last, which I thought was great because I could observe and scout for potential problems. The first part of the test was the ceremonial dance, the Y crew, and the Ram Mui. I've seen very few Americans perform this ritual in a way that looked natural or fluid to me, and that includes the six of us who performed it that day. So, the six of us got past that part of the test, but Ajarn Chai didn't look especially happy with our performance. The next part of the test was what I call Ajarn Chai's Simon Says game. For this, the student or students stand in front of Ajarn Chai and await his instructions and command. The instructions consist of simply naming the technique he wants to see, and the command consists of firmly stating the word, go. Go. Sometimes, go comes immediately after he names the technique, other times after a pause of varying length. The student is expected to execute a single repetition of the named technique, but not until after Ajahn Chai says go. Now this may sound easy to you sitting in your car or your recliner listening to this podcast, but remember that the person taking the test is tired and under extreme stress. He wants to execute the technique well enough to pass the test. In addition, Ajarn Chai, like a great NFL quarterback, does an excellent job of varying the cadence of his speech in an attempt to throw off the student and sucker him into executing a technique without waiting for the command, Go. When the student makes this mistake, he's required to do push-ups, usually 50 for the first offense, and going up in number for subsequent offenses. Ajarn Chai catches a lot of people like this. When it happens, it only adds to the fatigue that has already accumulated from the seminar weekend, not to mention pumping more adrenaline into the system of the student, increasing his or her stress level. On this day of testing, several of the others did get caught and did push-ups. Fortunately, I was able to stay focused and to avoid this particular embarrassment going last in each phase of the test so far, gave me a chance to observe the other testees. Now, there's no way to say this next part without sounding a bit arrogant, so my apologies. But being as objective as I possibly could, I judged that not one of the other five testees was displaying technical form that seemed significantly superior to mine, and several of them, to be frank, were not quite up to that level. This gave me extra hope that I had a good chance to pass the test. The next part consisted of executing a long combination called the 15 count on the tie pads. We all quickly knocked this part out and awaited the most difficult part of the test. The notorious two rounds on the tie pads. I watched each of the other test takers in turn. The pad holders were, by rule, people who were already instructors themselves. In other words, people who had taken and passed this test before. After the first three-minute round, a different pad holder rotated in for the second round. This rotation would be easy to manage today. It was a huge seminar, and more than a dozen instructors were in attendance. This further reduced the chance that fatigue on the part of the holder would be a factor. After all, Despite already being an instructor, the holder has also just finished a grueling seminar and probably didn't train especially hard for this experience like the testee will have. The rounds before mine began with the Thai fight music playing loudly in the background, both to set the mood and to act as a backup form of timing the rounds. The tie pad holders stalked the students around the testing area, ready to position the pads to receive kicks or knee strikes. The sounds of the loud cracks of the kicks and the deeper thumps of the knees were mixed with the fight music and the higher-pitched sound of the voices of the kick and knee counters, calling out the current total after each hit. This allowed all present, most especially the testee, to keep track of how close he was getting to reaching his quota for kicking and kneeing. The pad holders occasionally kicked at the legs or the body of the testee, or punched at them with the tie pads. Some hard shots were landed, which added to the drama, but these attacks were never done in a way that seemed to me to be truly threatening, but enough to keep the person who was testing from simply doing dozens of kicks in a row without stopping. I noticed that once the student completed his final required strike, that the holder picked up the pace and intensity of his attacks. Each set of tie pad rounds helped to reassure me that, while this was indeed a very difficult test, It was quite doable if you had the technical skill and were in very good condition. I thought I had the skill, and I knew I was in outstanding condition, more than enough to pass this part of the test. I had this. So, dear listener, do you think I was right in this assessment of my chances? To learn the answer to that, you will need to wait and listen to the next episode. Anyway, that's what I think. But I could be wrong. Let me know what you think, and check out old episodes of the Martial Brain podcast at my website, rpmartialarts.com. I'm Jeff Westfall for the Martial Brain. The Martial Brain is produced by Raging Squirrel Productions in association with the Rising Phoenix Martial Arts Academy. If you like the podcast and would like to help it grow, go to iTunes or Stitcher and give it an honest rating and review. Contact me with questions about the martial brain or about the Rising Phoenix Academy at my website, rpmartialarts.com.